0: Welcome to the Fairway Performance Podcast. My aim for this podcast is to have conversations with guests and to record solo episodes like the one I'm doing today to help you improve your golf, your fitness, and your health. And I'm your host, Sean Dykoff. Now, quickly, two little announcements before I get stuck into the content of today's episode. The first one is I am running a golf fitness retreat to Bali from the 26th of May until the the 1st of June. It's a Thursday. And I am taking between 8 to 12 people, depending how many people book spots. Seven days, six nights, staying in five-star accommodation with daily breakfast included. We're going to play four rounds of golf at four amazing courses in Bali. Bali National being my favorite one. Uh, Pandawa, which is an amazing par 3 course. New Kuda. Uh, and then Hendara, which is up in the mountains with an amazing gate and um, a really cool like Instagram photo opportunity there at the gate because it's a, an amazing little piece of architecture. Now, the trip itself, I am going to be running little workshops during the trip on golf fitness, power, uh, power and speed training, uh, and also having people walk away with the ability to, one, run a mobility self-assessment on themselves or their friends, uh, and two, writing their own golf fitness training program so that they can be self-sufficient when they leave there and they know exactly what to work on uh, moving forwards. Uh, It includes all airport transfers, transportation to and from, all the stuff, um, carts and caddies for your rounds, Uh, and I'm also going to take you out for a couple of dinners at a couple of my favorite places that are nearby where we're staying. So if you're interested in that, I'm going to have a link in the show notes below. I'd really love for you to join. It's the first trip of many, which I hope to run. I've done lots of these trips over to Bali for my gym and run fitness retreats over there and this is my first golf fitness retreat. So the first time I actually get to play golf while I'm uh, running this event with you guys. So if you're keen, jump on there and um, I'll also include a link for the first few or a discount code for the first few people who book to get $200 off their trip. Uh, The next thing I want to say is the 30 yards in 30 days swing speed training training. Uh, book or ebook, book uh, whatever you want to call it, uh, has been downloaded now by more than 1,600 golfers around the world, and I'm receiving emails daily about people making swing speed changes and improvements in their swing speed and their training, so um, it's been really, really successful so far, and I'd love for you to jump on board if you are looking to improve your swing speed and, and to be able to hit the ball further. Uh the book can be downloaded if you just plug in your email address onto the, um, I'm going to provide a link in the show notes so that you can jump on there and just plug in your email and it will send over to you straight away um, with a little bit of an email sequence just to educate you a little further on some of the things through the training um, and just help you along the way and, and add some accountability and some help uh, as you go through the training. So uh, that's my two little announcements. I try to keep it very short for you guys. Now, the episode that I'm doing today, I'm going to answer three questions that I have had recently from golfers, Um, and these are all through just DMs that I've had on Instagram to be honest, and the first of the three is, how do I know where to get started when I am programming golf fitness for someone? Now, this, this is a really good question because a lot of people... Uh, never start because they have no idea where to start and that's probably one of the biggest setbacks for people is their lack of knowledge hinders them from ever giving it a try or or even giving it a crack. So the number one thing I would say is if this is you and you've always delayed it or put it off or not been able to get started or not wanted to get started because you didn't know what to do, stop delaying it until you know what to do because that's probably never going to happen and go and get an assessment with someone who's a TPI certified or qualified coach uh, or you know, swing instructor, fitness level one, whatever the thing might be but they've got that TPI certification so they've had to go through the TPI certs and then uh, they can write you a program on the back end of that or most of those people should be able to write you a program on the back end of that and the, the reason I say that is because essentially there's two ways that we can get information or, or build something over time and one is to work your way in, so spend all your time and if you've, if you've got a surplus of time and energy and effort then you can go and learn it yourself and go and figure out that information and use trial and error and all that type of thing to figure out your own program Or you can buy your way in. So instead of you spending all of that time, you pay somebody else who has spent the time to have gone and done the research and practiced it on, you know, hundreds of people or whatever it might be so that you can just pay them for the information and then you have the information and hopefully you know it forever and you can implement it for the rest of your life. So uh, the thing that an assessment will do is there's a few different assessments that a a TPI certified coach can do. And the first is a a mobility assessment. So just ensuring you have adequate range of motion to complete a golf swing and not hurt yourself, essentially. Uh, The second is a fitness test, which is essentially mainly running through strength and just figuring out what level of strength you have to see if strength is a limiting factor for you, in your ability to play better golf, or hit the ball further, or not injure yourself while you're playing, and then the third is a power assessment. So it's running through like how you coordinate the effort and utilize the strength in a, um, you know, in a short time frame to express that uh, strength into speed and, and distance. Um, so. That's that's the three different assessments that we can run through. I'm, I'm qualified in all of those and, and love helping people with the, the final two, the fitness and the power ones, um, because they're more in-depth. But the general starting point for most people, and most people fail anyway, is the mobility assessments, because we all have stuff that we need to work on mobility-wise. Um, I myself also have uh, mobility stuff that I'm working on daily to, to get better at. So uh, in answer to that question, where do you start with golf fitness? Uh, My suggestion, and I'm a little biased, I guess, because I work in this field and industry, is go get an assessment. Um, If you're asking that question, you obviously don't know where the start point is. and um, If you wanted to know the answer to that question, you might have Googled it by now and and found it out or spent the time finding it out, so chances are you, you don't have the time, so go and pay someone for their expertise and get that information given to you. That's going to be your best way to get started. Uh, The next question is, when doing swing speed training, I find I'm slower the next day on the course. Have you seen or heard of this type of uh, result before? The answer to that question is no. Generally, I find when people do speed training or like dynamic type training with low sets and reps, uh, they generally feel better the next day. So um, a couple of things here because I don't know at what detail like the program this person is following, how much work they're doing, all that type of thing. So one assumption that I would make uh, here and what it sounds like is this person has done no swing speed training and they've just jumped into a program which there's a lot of stuff and potentially the sets and reps are a little too high and there's too much volume in there and then obviously that's you know, fatiguing you for the next day, which is why you feel a little slower or maybe a little more lethargic or less energy or whatever it might be the next day, so you don't feel like you're a million bucks. So the suggestion that I would make is to, if if this is you, is to, and you too feel the same as this, is to, instead of going into a full program is just to eliminate half of the stuff and only do half of the workout or half of the movements or whatever it might be. Um, And if you ever want advice on that, then I'm happy to talk to someone um, through the DMs on Instagram or if you email me, Sean, S-H-A-U-N, at fairwayperformance.com, I'll happily have that conversation with you and help you out. But if we decrease the volume and slowly build the volume up over time. Obviously, your tolerance and your ability to recover and repair your body uh, before your next um, golf session or training or range session or um, training session in the gym, whatever it might be, you're gonna recover quicker and then we can slowly increase your volume over time until your body's able to handle those full training sessions. So uh, again, just in answering this question, just to give context behind it, Um, I don't know how old this person is. I don't know what training program they're following, Um, but that's just one suggestion that I have is that the volume is probably a little too high if you're a little sore or lethargic the next day, and you just need to look at the volume of the training that you're doing and decrease it a little and then slowly build it up over time. You might have just uh, done the typical thing of uh, your eyes are a bit too big for your belly, and then that's just left you sore and tired. So hopefully that answers that question for you and, and is a good help. Uh, And then the last question for today is, I'm stuck in a bit of a plateau in my training and I'm not sure what I can program to keep making progress. What would you recommend? Now, again, with this person to give context, I don't have what their program looks like. I don't know how old they are. I don't know how long they've been training. I don't know a whole lot of things. But what I do know is what we call the modifiable variables in training, and these are universal across any training program, any um, you know, modality of training whether it's speed, power, endurance, flexibility, mobility, any of that sort of stuff, um, strength or hypertrophy, uh, and they apply to everything because we can modify these things with any training program, and by modifying these or having Uh, you're modifying it from what you're currently doing to something different. Obviously, that's adding variance to the program, so slightly changing it. Uh, We need to have that variance over time because you're sure when I first start doing bicep curls, my biceps are going to get bigger, I'm going to get stronger. But then if I keep doing the same weight and the same reps of bicep curls, or just keep doing the same bicep curls over time, I'm going to reach a plateau and not be able to go any further because everything works in training until it doesn't, essentially is what the the saying is there. So what are these modifiable variables that we can change in order to keep driving adaptations and keep make, making progress further in our training? So one of them is, or the first one, and there's six that I'm going to run through, one of them is intensity. So intensity can be multiple things. Intensity can be um, how hard you're pushing in a session, how close you're going to failure, um, how much of a perceived effort or rate of perceived effort it feels like, like a five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 out of 10. Um, oftentimes, I find people who've been training for longer, they find it harder to get that 8, 9, and 10 out of 10 feeling that they used to get when they first started because it obviously takes a lot more to get there. So, when that happens, we can just be in sort of maintenance mode and not really progressing forwards because we're no longer getting to that 8, 9, 10 out of 10 effort for certain movements or repetitions or sets or whatever and we just don't make as much progress as we used to because we're not stressing the body as much which obviously we need to keep increasing the, um, the stimulus on the body in order to create change or keep making change over time. Uh, So the first one's intensity. Uh, The next one is repetitions. So we can, if we're, and and repetitions is a a good one in the sense that if we're training for, uh, so, so let's say we're doing a squat and we want to build strength when we're doing a squat. Now, first and foremost, if we're trying to build strength, we want to stick anywhere from one repetition or one to three reps all the way up to about five or maybe even six reps at the most is gonna be a really good sweet spot for building strength because the load will be very high. The uh, amount of reps you can do is obviously low, um, but there's obviously a lot of tension in the muscles. There's a lot of uh, con- contraction of the muscles in order to lift this thing, and a lot of um, the rate of perceived effort is going to be very high, and it's pushing the limits of what you can lift. So, between one to sort of five or six reps is a really good range there. Uh, if we're looking to build muscle hypertrophy, then it can be anywhere, and, and muscle hypertrophy is the, the act of, or the intention of, uh, essentially breaking down muscles in order to grow them back bigger so this is something that bodybuilders will use and we can essentially go anywhere from sort of around 5 reps up to about 30 reps for hypertrophy and the sweet spot is generally the 8 to 12 rep range and that's the range that I program for a lot of my golfers because the weight can be uh, a decent amount uh, and it's going to drive adaptation because we can lift it for multiple reps and, and we reach a sort of a burnout point or a pump point. Now the other thing with repetitions is if we are starting a a movement like let's say um you know we're doing back squats and we're at sets of five and we do five sets of five for five weeks Uh, A way to change repetitions is to do five sets of three for five weeks, because obviously we're doing less reps, so we should be able to increase the load, which is going to do two things. It's going to increase the intensity or the rate of perceived effort, and it's also changing the repetitions, which should hopefully then continue to drive adaptation for us. Uh, The next thing we can change is sets. So uh, we can change, you know, instead of doing three sets of 10, we could do four sets of 10, five sets of 10, six sets of 10. And the reason that someone would do this, particularly if they're in a plateau and they've been training for a while and they want to keep progressing, is we need more of a stimulus on the body. Obviously, which was what I've been pretty much saying this whole time. We need more of a stimulus on the body, and we need to do more sets per body part in order to create that muscle hypertrophy or that strength uh, over time. And There's a really cool graph on this where you can look up like if you're someone who's just starting out, then you want to do at least 10 sets of a particular body part, like 10 sets of bicep curls or bicep exercises to strengthen them across the week in order to do enough volume to create hypertrophy within the muscle and to grow it bigger essentially. Now, um, this is also the same for um, speed and power. I'm not as well versed on this, but with the speed and power we want to have lower repetitions and we want to have much higher sets so we can go like five or six sets for three reps um, or even four to four to sort of six reps and um and we can go through that and, um, and that's going to increase the sets there. So long as we're getting enough recovery time between sets, we're going to see an increase in speed and power and, and not be stuck in that plateau. Uh, the next one we can do, so the fourth uh, modifiable variable is time under tension. And a cool way that I like to play around with this, uh, particularly when you're doing stuff for muscle hypertrophy or even for strength training. And you'll see a lot of um, Olympic weightlifters use this or um, You know people who work in like a strength sport like powerlifters or olympic weightlifters or even crossfitters who are competing in competitions and the time and attention thing they'll use what's called the tempo for their squats or presses or whatever it might be and essentially it refers to The time they spend to lower with the weight. So, if we use a squat for an example, they've got the bar on their back and they take five seconds to lower down. So, one, one thousand, two, one thousand, three, one thousand, up to five. They sit in the bottom for a prescribed time. It might be three seconds. So, it's one, one thousand, two, one thousand, three, one thousand in the bottom of the squat. Then they might explode up really fast hold the top for one to two seconds, so 1-1000, 1000 and then lower back down and complete every repetition like that. So if they're doing three sets of five reps, the five reps will take five seconds down, three-second hold in the bottom, two-second hold at the top. So that's 10 to maybe 11 or 12 seconds per rep. So they're going to be increasing the amount of time under tension with that weight on their body which is another variable which can increase strength um, and it can also help lead to better hypertrophy in the muscles because we're creating more mechanical tension and load for the muscle and that's going to obviously elicit some change and be different stimulus to what we had before. Uh, The fifth variable is rest periods. So we can play around with either for strength work as we start to increase the amount of weight we're lifting, give ourselves a little bit longer to rest because we obviously want to replenish the energy or give the body time to replenish and restore the energy which we've just expended in order to lift the weights so that the next effort, which is a really heavy weight again, and heavier than what we generally lift, to then be good to go firing and and we're fine. And we can do that. Uh, The other thing is to decrease the uh, rest breaks that we're getting. So that's gonna make it feel like the intensity is increasing or the rate of perceived effort is increasing. And we're gonna turn it more into like a muscle endurance or more of a hypertrophy feel than potentially a bit of strength work so if we um, change the rest period between exercises themselves in a session uh, that can help Um, we can also change the rest period between sessions so you can take instead of training on monday wednesday friday you could train monday tuesday thursday friday you know so one we're adding a day so we're adding repetitions and sets and everything else um, but two, we're also doing back-to-back training, back-to-back training, and then you know having rest days on the outside of that. So we're adjusting the rest period that we get on a micro level between sets and reps or a macro level across a week or a month or a year, whatever it might be. Um, and then the last of the six variables that I want to talk about is exercise selection. And this is a really cool one and something which I think people use too often. Uh, and the reason I think people use it too often is they will do an exercise for a couple of weeks, like maybe two or three weeks, uh, and then it will start to get hard or they'll start to get bored of that exercise and they'll change the exercise. And the the reason um, this isn't a good idea and you should be a little more consistent with sticking to an exercise for four, six, eight, 10, 12 weeks is because we really need to uh, spend that time on that to progressively overload that movement so that we've got a chance for the gains to be solidified. So for the muscles to grow, to change, the tendons, the ligaments, everything like gets a chance to... Um, you know, really adapt to the stimulus that's been imposed on it with the weight and the intention that we're trying to achieve with that weight so that we can make the changes and then potentially have a deload week or a rest week where we just don't do as much volume or we do um, slightly less load but the same movements or whatever it might be or even a complete week off depending how hard you've been training. And then, uh, only then, we'll go through uh, changing an exercise. And It doesn't have to be much. Uh, So if if you think about it, then we could do four different types of squats across a year and we would then have a full year's worth of training or almost a full year's worth of training would be a year's worth of training if we had a deload week in there as well. So an example of this would be in the first week or in the first block of 12 weeks, we would progressively overload a back squat for the 12 weeks. So how that might look is the first four weeks we do five sets of five, the next four weeks we do five sets of four and then the next four weeks we do five sets of three. So while we've decreased the volume we've increased the load and intensity um, and that's going to help us lift more weight With uh, each repetition. So we're obviously working for strength there. So we're going to get stronger. Then we'd have a week off. So that'd be 13 weeks. Then the next 12 week block, instead of doing a back squat, we'd do a front squat and we'd follow a similar thing. So we might do um, five sets of five for four weeks, five sets of four for four weeks, and then five sets of three for four weeks. And then we've done two big strength blocks. Have another rest week on the end of it, and that takes us through to uh, 26 weeks of training. And then we might want to go into a phase of working more on hypertrophy. So we do an overhead squat and we do five sets of eight, then we do five sets of nine, then we do five sets of 10, five sets of 11, five sets of 12. Yep. And then we, uh, and that could be five weeks worth, and then we can go. Uh, a little heavier and start that whole process again. So where we started with a certain weight doing sets of eight, we again start with sets five sets of eight again, but we use the weight that we got to on the third week. So we use the five sets of 10 week from the first block and we go five sets of eight, five sets of nine, 10, 11, 12, and we progress up like that. So that's progressively overloading again and increasing uh, the, you know, tension on the muscles um the weight that we're using so the intensity would increase and it's going to keep us uh making progress so with and and then the last one we could do like a sandbag squat or a cossack squat or a uh a rear foot elevated split squat or something like this and that could be the fourth squat variation um, which is a cool unilateral exercise to do and it takes us away from the bilateral movements we've been doing with the barbell um, to create some uh, symmetry in the body just to undo a bit of the um, bilateral work that we've been doing with the back squats and front squats and overhead squats and that could be a full year's worth of training and all you've done is four different squats in uh, four different 12-week blocks with a week off in between. And that's as simple as it has to be to keep making progress. Um, you could follow that for two to three year, a two to three year block. And you know, if this year you focused on strength for the back squat, then next year you could focus on hypertrophy for the back squat. And then the year after, you could go back to strength for the back squat. And with this, you'd keep making progress over that time. Obviously, progress would uh, not stall, but it just would happen a lot slower once you started to get up. In the experience with the movement, um, you know, for me, having you know been squatting for I'm th- about to turn 36, uh, I've been doing this since I was 17, um, so that's a lot of years that I've been doing this. The progress that I can make, um, I have to be really diligent with training and nutrition and everything else uh, in order to keep making gains. But I still can, and I still do make progress in a lot of things that I do. Um, but it's obviously just a lot harder now because I have to really be tweaking all these variables because I've been doing it for such a long time. But for a lot of you uh, who are listening, are uh, probably a little earlier into your training journey than what I am and, and maybe don't have as many years of experience in the gym, uh, the progress will come a lot faster. And the one bit of advice I have for people in this situation is just milk the different things for as much gains as you can before you move on to the next one. Uh, Don't just be chopping and changing around too fast between stuff when you're just starting out because you want to get all of the gains you can from the one thing before you move on to the next one. Um, Anyway, guys, that's, uh, that's the six different modifiable variables, intensity, repetitions, sets time under tension, rest periods, and exercise selection. So uh, I hope that my answers, and I know I sort of went on a little bit at the end there with that third one, but I needed to sort of give you some context and an explanation for all the, um, the six different modifiable variables there. But I really hope that this has helped you, um, that answering someone else's question has you know, helped form an idea in your mind better or provided a little bit of advice um, around a way that you can do something slightly different or maybe you have a friend who could benefit from listening to this episode because you've heard them say stuff like this. Um, And I've pretty much answered the question in a a way which you weren't able to or or you you didn't think of answering it like that, which will help this this friend of yours. So um, pass it on. I hope to help as many golfers as I can with this stuff. So um, until next week, guys, uh, I hope you play uh, some really good golf. And as always, um, you can always reach me, Sean, S-H-A-U-N, at fairwayperformance.com. Or if you want to reach out on Instagram, it's Sean, S-H-A-U-N dot D-I-A-C-H-K-O-F, on Instagram. Hit me up with a DM, um, follow along there. I post a lot of free stuff uh, and I hope that helps you guys. So I'll see you all next week.